So we've been studying uh, the Gospel of John for several months now, and there are a few themes and pictures and images that keep coming up in John's Gospel that offer us an image of who Jesus is. Remember, John wrote his Gospel so that we may know that Jesus is the Son of God and that we may have life in his name. And in, all throughout John's Gospel, there's all these metaphors and images and word pictures that Jesus says about himself. And one of those themes is thirst. And get ready for it, kids. The Sunday word is water. So thirst and water. And Jesus calls himself the living water. And he says that those who drink of him will never thirst again. You remember he said this to the woman at the well. And I love this metaphor because no matter who you are, or where you're from, or what kind of life you've had, every one of us in this room, every one of you watching online can relate to thirst. You know what it's like to be thirsty. It, I mean, this is a universal feeling. It's cross-cultural, cross-generational, cross-social, cross-every barrier. Everyone knows what it's like to be thirsty. It's a universal feeling. And just as I'm thinking about it, there's all sorts of different ways that we can be thirsty, isn't there? Um, physically thirsty. I mean, uh, there are different kinds of thirst. So there's the kind of thirst that comes when you've drunk or when you've eaten something that makes you crave water. It makes your mouth dry. My mouth is kind of dry right now. I could use like a big gulp, you know. But uh, there are times when you eat things that are salty and you're like, man, I, your mouth, you're like just craving water. I think of, to quote Kramer from Seinfeld from a few weeks ago, these pretzels are making me thirsty, right? My particular weakness is chips and salsa. I can eat like perfectly healthy all day long, but then about 9 p.m., I just, I, I'm in the kitchen and I see the chips and the salsa and I will eat a half a bag, who am I kidding, a whole bag of, you know, chips and salsa. And it won't be long if once I pour the bowl of, of chips, it's not long before I start eating those that I've got to go back into the kitchen and pour a big glass of ice water because I've got to have something to quench my thirst. I've got a dry mouth. There's also the kind of thirst that comes when you've expended yourself when you're exhausted and when you're tired and you need to replenish your body with water. So uh, it's that feeling after a long run or a hard workout when you reach for the water bottle and you gulp it down, that feeling. There's the kind of thirst you have when you've neglected to drink water like you should and you become dehydrated. A lot of kids, I was like this as a kid. For, there was, I mean, I, all I drank as a kid was soda and, you know, fruit punch, you know, and you're like, why do I have a headache all the time? Why am I lightheaded? Why am I passing out every time I stand up, you know? It's because you haven't given your body what you need to thrive. You need water. And so some days you may get up at work and feel lightheaded and feel like you're about to faint. Often it's because you haven't drank water. There's also the thirst that comes when you're weary. And this is different from exercise-induced exhaustion and thirst. This is when it feels like your body is failing. And a drink of water is what you need to stay alert or even to stay alive. You know, earlier this year, I was, or earlier last year, I was hospitalized in pretty serious condition. And I was, in, I was very weak, I was very weary. And I remember the nurse, have you ever been in the hospital really sick, or you've ever had the flu in the hospital, you know what this is like when the nurse brings in that yellow pitcher of water, and then the little tiny plastic cup with the crushed ice and the bendy straw, 
and you're just lying in your bed and you're like, gosh, I, I'm so weak and weary. But then you, get, you summon up the energy to grab that little tiny cup and you do the thing, you know, where you get the straw in your mouth and you suck on that straw and the minute that water hits your parched lips, it feels like life is injected into your body. There's thirst when you're weary. There's also the kind of thirst that comes when you're in a hot and punishing environment. If you've ever spent a day at a theme park in the summer or a music festival, out in the sun, out in the heat, you know what it's like to be so hot and just want water that you are willing to pay whatever overpriced, crazy amount of money that they're charging at Sesame Place or Six Flags or whatever. You're like, $9 for a bottle of water? On any normal day, that would seem absurd. But when, you, when you're at that, you're like, I, I take my money. You're like, because you're, you're so thirsty. I think of the environment that Jesus lived in. He lived in the Middle East. Much of the land is desert. It's hot, and clean running water in the desert can be really difficult to find. And so people in Jesus' day and in his uh, land, they thirsted for water. Water was a big deal. They lived in a dry and weary land. And so when Jesus says, and he uses these images of thirst and water, the people in his world immediately understood the point that he was making. You see, there are many different ways that our bodies thirst. And there are many different ways that a good cold glass of water can satisfy. And the point Jesus makes so often in the Gospel of John is that there are many different ways that our souls can thirst. And there are many different ways that He can satisfy our, our souls. Look with me in John chapter 7. Jesus says in verse 37 of chapter 7, On the last day of the feast... The great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. Jesus didn't say this kind of gently. We think of Jesus meek and mild, you know. Jesus, he screamed this out. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this Jesus said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is God's word. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is what Jesus says. These are the words that Jesus says to the crowds on that day. Now let me set the scene of what's going on when Jesus says this, because chapter 7 is a big long chapter, and I encourage you to read it this afternoon when you get out of church. But Jesus says these words at the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so your Bible in chapter 7 may say Feast of Booths, Feast of Shelters, or if you're familiar with Jewish holidays, you know of Sukkot. This is all the same holiday. So Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths, Feast of Shelters, multiple names for it. Today it would be called Sukkot. But the Feast of Tabernacles, it took place in the fall. So there were two big pilgrimage festivals that took place. Passover took place in the spring. We just celebrated that Easter it happens at Passover. Um, but the Feast of Tabernacles took place in the fall, so the weather is crisp, it's nice, and it was a pilgrimage feast. And so a pilgrimage feast means that you don't celebrate it in your hometown. You go to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast because that is where the party is at. And there was a party in Jerusalem. So people traveled from all the surrounding areas of Jerusalem, and so Jerusalem was packed with people. And there was an energy in the city. 
If you remember before COVID, you know, when uh, Times Square on uh, New Year's Eve, or you remember, you know, big events that would happen in New York, the Italian parade, the Puerto Rican parade, the Dominican parade, you know, the Norwegian parade. We got a lot of parades in our neighborhood, don't we? I mean, there's an energy when people come from all around to celebrate something. And so there was a big energy in Jerusalem as they came to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. This was the most joyful of all the feasts. It was a bash. It was a party. And the people, they would come into Jerusalem, and they all stayed in tabernacles or tents. So they, were all, they all pitched tents, and they all sort of stayed uh, in, in these tents. So envision tents set up all over the city of Jerusalem. People are hanging out on the streets. There was dancing every night. I mean, there was good vibes all over the city. I mean, it's a tent city, people dancing, people having a good time. It almost brings to mind like a first century Jewish version of Coachella or like Woodstock or something. Really, truly, I mean, like there were tents everywhere. People were dancing, party. If you're like, I don't understand Coachella, what's up? What are you talking about? You're more of a sports person. It's like tailgating before the game, like out at the Meadowlands. Like everybody in the parking lot has their tent set up. They're barbecuing, although the Jewish people probably wouldn't have been doing that. But they were having a good time is all the point I'm trying to make. And what they were celebrating and what they were commemorating was they were celebrating, they were remembering how God provided for their people, the people of Israel, during their time in the wilderness between slavery in Egypt and between entering the promised land. So the people of Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert as they went from slavery to the promised land. And in those 40 years, it was God who provided water for them. And during this feast, they remembered specifically the way that God provided water in the desert. And if you know this story from Exodus, Moses, God told him to strike a rock with his staff. And Moses struck a rock with his staff and water flowed. And the people took the water from the rock and their thirst was quenched. God provided water in a desolate place in the wilderness, in a dry and weary land. He provided water to quench the thirst of dry and weary people. And when they came together in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, they were celebrating and remembering this. And the Jewish people at this time that Jesus says this in John chapter 7, they weren't in slavery, but they definitely didn't feel like they were in the promised land either because there was all sorts of tension with the Roman Empire, and they were kind of being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And so it's safe to say that the the, the Jewish people in the first century at this time, they weren't really living their best life now, so to speak, right? They felt like they were in the wilderness. They were longing for God's provision. They were thirsty for something more, for freedom, for liberation. And so this image of God providing water in the desert to their dry and weary souls, this was a powerful image for them, and it, and it, it mustered up hope in their lives that God could provide for them. And the festival was seven days long. So again, I told you, it's like Woodstock. I mean, this is, it's a week-long thing. And the highlight of every single day was in the morning, all the people would go to the temple. And when the people would come to the temple, they would have palm branches in their hands. And they would wave their palm branches. And if you can imagine what a thousand people waving palm branches sounds like, it sounds like water. It sounds like rain. And then the, they would go to the temple, they'd wave the palm branches, the priest would stand up on the temple steps at the altar, he would take a big golden pitcher and he would dip it in the pool of Siloam and the priest would then lift it up and he would pray for rain. Rain on their dry and weary land. I prayed for no rain this morning because I know that rain, people are like, I'll just watch online, live stream, we're so glad you guys are here with us. 
really glad you guys are here with us because you braved the rain. I prayed for no rain, but the priest, would, he would pray for rain on their dry and weary land. And then the people would recite Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, which says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The priest would then pour that golden pitcher of water on the temple steps, and it would flow from the temple out onto the streets, and the people would then cheer. It was a symbol of God's provision and his faithfulness to quench their thirst in a dry and weary land. And all of this happened each morning. So that would happen in the morning, but then they've got all this other time to fill. That would, and, and what was going on during their free time was there was one hot topic that everyone in Jerusalem was talking about. There was one thing on everybody's minds and everybody had an opinion about it. So maybe if you can imagine for a moment, like you guys know that if you were to go home right now, if you were going to any home uh, if you were going to any restaurant or any street corner or any bodega right now, the com- any barber shop, the conversation you might be hearing around Brooklyn right now centers around who else? Governor Andrew Cuomo, right? Everybody's got an opinion on what's going on. Did he do the things he's accused of? Should he resign? What, talk about how's he handled the coronavirus? How's he done this? How's he done this? Everybody's got an opinion about Governor Cuomo right now, right? And everybody wants to talk about their opinion. Doesn't matter where you go, that is a topic of conversation. Everyone seems to have an opinion and everyone's talking about it. Well, the conversation that was going on in Jerusalem at that time that everyone had an opinion about and everybody wanted to talk about was all centered around Jesus of Nazareth. Who was this guy? They were, they, were, they were murmuring to themselves. By this time, everyone had heard of Jesus. Everyone's heard of Jesus at this point. And there were all sorts of opinions about who he was. Some said he was a good man. Some said he was a good teacher. Others were saying, no, this guy's deceiving people. Stay away from him. We, some say he's the Messiah. I mean, the, some say that he's the one. Others say he's demon-possessed. Others say they should kill him. Others say, look, I mean, what's everybody talking about? It's just a guy from Nazareth. You guys kidding me? Like, there's all sorts of things going on, but make no mistake, Jesus was the conversation that people were having every night in their tents and out in the streets for the entirety of this seven-day festival. Who is Jesus? That was the question. And so on the seventh day of the feast, right, the ultimate moment came in the text we read earlier. It said the great day, the final day of the feast, The priest, everybody would gather at the temple in the morning just like they had the previous six days. They would go through their normal ritual with the water jar. The priest would have the water jar. He would, but this time there would be another priest beside him carrying a big jar of wine. And they would circle the altar seven times with trumpets blaring. And then the priest would ascend to the altar, lift up his water pitcher, and the crowds would shout, Lift it higher! Lift it higher! And the priest would stretch his arms out, stretch his arms out, stretch his arms as high as he could go as people said, lift it higher! And then the priest would pray again for rain on the dry and weary land. The people would wave their palm branches, making the sound of water. They would read Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then the priest would pour the water and the wine onto the temple steps, and the water and the wine would flow from the temple into the streets, and the people would cheer. And it's at this very moment that Jesus stands up and shouts, If anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now remember, two things are on the minds of every person in Jerusalem that week. Will God provide for us like he did for our ancestors? Will he quench our thirst 
for something more and something greater in this life. And who in the world is Jesus? And Jesus stands up at the ultimate moment of the feast, the pinnacle, and he says, I'm the answer to both. Uh, let me tell you the answer to both questions. Yes, God will provide. Who is Jesus? I am the one who provides. If anyone thirsts, come to me. Now this afternoon, I want us to look at this statement piece by piece. So it says, if anyone thirsts, Jesus says, if anyone, if any of you thirst, who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to everyone. He's talking to every single person within earshot of him that day, and he's speaking to every single one of us who read his words today. If anyone thirsts, who's thirsty? We all are. Yeah, raise your hand. I need some talk back. It's good, all right? Who's thirsty? We all are. We are all thirsty for living water. You know, I mentioned earlier all these various types of ways that we can thirst, literally, the ways we experience literal thirst. But our souls thirst as well, right? So again, I said eat chips and salsa or pretzels and you'll become thirsty. But if we're honest, our experience tells us that there are many things in our lives that we can consume that in themselves don't fully satisfy our thirst. Often they're good things, but in fact, they leave us longing for something more. It could be career, relationships, success, accomplishments, phone upgrades, whatever it is. Good things most of the time, but they don't quench the thirst of your soul. And often these things just remind us that our souls need something more. A career can't satisfy. There's something else that our souls thirst for. There's a type of thirst, I said, that comes after we've expended ourselves through exercise or hard work, and we crave water, and we just pour the bottle into our, because we need to replenish our bodies so that they can be restored, but there's also a spiritual type of thirst that comes after we've exhausted ourselves for a season, and our souls need to be refreshed and restored. Many of you have expended yourself at work or at school. You say, I haven't taken a day off in two years. You're like, that's why you're so thirsty in your soul. Many of you, you've expended yourself in school or caring for your family or caring for an ailing parent or a child or you, you're just expended yourself helping other people and you've been running at a pace that has left you exhausted and craving something that will refresh your soul and something that will give you strength to keep going. There's the type of thirst that comes when you've neglected to drink water. Some of you wonder why you feel tired and run down all the time, and you wonder, uh, why do I feel this way? It's because, I'm going to take the pastor hat off for just a moment and be a nutritionist. You need to drink more water. You know, you should drink whatever your body weight is, half of that in ounces every day. If you exercise, you should drink more. Trust me, if you drink water, you'll feel better. You won't, your depression will uh, be less. Your skin will clear up. You need to drink water. It makes you healthy, okay? Drink water. And if you don't drink water, you'll feel dizzy, you'll feel lightheaded, you'll feel sluggish, you'll feel tired. But some of you, you'll feel dehydrated. And some of you, you feel spiritually dehydrated right now. And your soul feels dry. And it's not because of circumstances in your life. It's not because of anything anybody else has done to you. It's simply because you have neglected to drink of the, the living water of Jesus. And you know you should, 
but you've neglected it and your soul is longing for nourishment and you're thirsty for more. There's a type of thirst you feel when you're simply just weary or physically tired or you feel like you're dying. Like a sick hospital patient craving a cold glass of water on their parched lips. Anything to provide relief from the aches and the pains and the struggles. Some of you are sick, actually sick. Some of you perhaps are growing old and your body is beginning to fail you and you're thirsty for something that can give you relief or some joy in the pain or in the trial or in the suffering. There's a type of thirst that comes from our environment. On a hot and cloudless day, we need water to keep us from becoming dehydrated and from zapping all of our energy. Our environment can leave us reaching for something to provide refreshment. And some of you are thirsty simply because your circumstances that you're living in are hard. The environment of your life is dehydrating you and you need to be replenished. 14 months of coronavirus has left you beaten down. Ongoing news stories of highlighting racism and abuse and corrupt politics. Every time you turn on your phone, every time you turn on your television, every time you open a newspaper, every time you overhear someone talking at the barbershop, it's just bad news and it feels like your soul is just shriveling up and you feel burned, and you feel numb and weary, and you feel like if you don't get something to replenish your soul soon, you will wither up and fall apart. Jesus says, who of you is thirsty? We're all thirsty in some way. And if you've, and Jesus says, come to me. And if you're here and you're not a Christian and, you're, and perhaps you're, you're thinking about Christianity and if you've ever wondered, can Christianity actually offer something into my life? People often say to me like, man, I know that works for some people, but I, I don't know if that's for me. If you've ever wondered, am I the type of person that would benefit from church and Jesus and faith and all of this? My question would be, are you thirsty for anything? Does your soul long for something more? Do you ache for something more? Do you long to be satisfied, refreshed, renewed, replenished? If the answer is yes, I do, then Jesus says, yes, I am for you. Jesus has an invitation for all of us. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So if anyone thirsts, next thing he says is come to me and drink. In our thirst, we all reach for all sorts of things, don't we, to satisfy that longing in our soul. When we're thirsty, when we're lonely, when we feel something in our soul that's not quite right, we reach for something that will give us relief from that, that ache. One author says that one of the tragedies of our age is that we twist our thirst for God into a desire for a new wardrobe, a new car, a new experience, a new vacation, a week off, a new relationship, or whatever. Even when we realize we are thirsty, we often take the wrong measures to satisfy it. You see, we keep doing what God said we do in the book of Jeremiah. We have forsaken God, the fountain of living waters, and huge cisterns for ourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. You know, what we try to do is we try to satisfy our thirst with lukewarm water from a leaky tank. That's what a broken cistern is. 
when Jesus says, I'm offering you never-ending fountains of cold and refreshing, living water. Jesus says, come to me and drink. Don't go to, don't, don't, don't look for another one-night stand. Don't look for another uh, promotion. Good, great, promotions are awesome, but don't you dare think for a moment that you're going to get that promotion and go home the next day with that, that hole in your soul filled because it's still going to be there. Don't you dare think that getting that new thing or that new gadget is going to fill that hole in your heart that is longing for something more. Come to me, Jesus says, and take a drink. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible is from the book of Isaiah. And this passage, it, it no doubt would have been on the minds of the people this day when Jesus said, come to me all who are thirsty. No doubt every, because these were Jewish people and they knew their history, they knew their Bible, and they would have known when Jesus stood up and said these things, Isaiah 55 probably would have come straight into their minds. And Isaiah 55 says, I'm going to read this slowly because you need to hear it read over you because this is God's word proclaimed over your life today. So receive this. Come. Crossroads Christian Church, are you weary today? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. This is an invitation for all of us. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, how many of you feel like you have nothing to offer? Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? You see, this passage right here acknowledges just how foolish we can be trying to quench our hunger and our thirst with things that don't satisfy. And I love this part. God says, listen diligently to me. It's like a parent trying to convince a reluctant child to receive a gift. There have been times, I mean, any parent knows this, where you have like a snack that they've never tried before, maybe some kind of candy or some kind of sweet, and you want your child to try, and, you're, and they're like, and they see it, and they're like, they're, it's unfamiliar to them, and so they recoil, and they don't want to do it, and you're like, child, listen to me. This is a butterfinger. Listen to me. And your child's reluctant and they don't want to try it because it's unfamiliar to them and they aren't sure if they're going to like it. A parent, you're trying to convince a reluctant child to receive a gift. Child, you don't know how good this is. And you're going to taste it for three weeks because it doesn't go out of your teeth. That's what a butterfinger is. But God says in this passage, he says, children, listen to me. I know that you're terrified of coming to me. I know that you're terrified of surrendering those things that you think are where life is found, and I know you're terrified to put all your weight and all your trust and all your hope in me because you aren't sure that I mean it when I say that I am the living water that satisfies. I know you're scared, but just listen diligently to me. Come, whoever is thirsty, come to the waters and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. 
Incline your ear and come to me here so that your soul may live. Listen, I know especially some of you younger people in the room, in those younger people who are watching online, you don't believe Jesus. You just don't. You still think, you're young enough to still think that there's experiences and relationships and gadgets and careers that will fill that, that thing in your soul, will give you a complete identity, and there, you think that there's a moment where you will achieve and attain all the things you want, and you're going to be able to kick your feet up on the coffee table and go, ah, I've done it. I'm content. But let me tell you, that day is not coming if you're expecting career and clothes and money and relationships to do it. Anybody who's over the age of 40, am I telling the truth? Yes, I'm telling you the truth. Those things will not fill the hole in your soul. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And this is the result. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What do you want flowing out of your heart? Bitterness, anger, discontentment, condescension, pride, arrogance. Jesus says that you come to me and out of your heart will flow living waters. That's what I want coming out of my life. The image from the Feast of Tabernacles, I keep thinking about this, of the prayers. I mean, just that moment on that seventh day at that, on the temple steps, they're praying for rain on a dry and weary land. They're praying for the waters of salvation to flood their lives. There's this visual of all these large amounts of water and wine being poured out onto the, the temple steps and flowing out into the streets. And Jesus stands up in that moment, and they're like, what are we celebrating? What does this all mean? And Jesus stands up, and he says, it's all pointing to me. I am the one you're thirsting for. I am the one whose blood like wine and whose life like water will flow into the streets of this very city and bring new life to this dry and weary world and bring new life and resurrection to your dry and weary soul. And my spirit will come into you and out of your heart will flow living waters. You think it's awesome that water is flowing down the temple steps into the city? Come to me and that will flow out of you. Jesus says, it's through my death and my resurrection and the pouring out of my spirit that you can have rivers of living water flowing out of your life. And you're like, is that true? J.C. Ryle, the famous English theologian, said the fulfillment of this promise could be testified to by thousands of living Christians in the present day. Hilton testified to it this morning, or this, at the beginning of this service. They would say, if their evidence could be collected, that when they came to Christ by faith, they found in Him more than they expected. They have tasted peace and hope and comfort since they first believed, which, with all their doubts and fears, they would not exchange for anything in this world. They have found grace according to their need and strength according to their days. In themselves and their own hearts, they may have often been disappointed, but they have never been disappointed with Christ. And I am just one of the cloud of witnesses throughout all of history of Christians that can stand up and say, yes, that's true. I have been disappointed many times in my life, but never because of Jesus. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let me pray for you, Crossroads. Lord Jesus, how fitting that you would stand up on the last day of Israel's celebration, that you would turn up the volume and beckon those of us who thirst to come to you for relief and refreshment because that feast was always meant to point to you. Why are we thirsty, God? We're thirsty because we were born that way, longing for the libation of living water that you alone can give us. But some of us also carry weariness-generated thirst. We're tired, God, from the burdens of life and the cost of loving well. Others of us are feeling a sin-generated thirst. Our broken cisterns have failed us yet again, and we are so thirsty. And some of us are thirsty because our hearts are dry from self-righteousness. Some of us, our hearts are dry from a critical spirit and a lack of fellowship with you. Still others of us are thirsty just because you're turning up the heat in our lives, not to shame us or to hurt us, but to claim us for yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No matter what the source of our thirst is, you have promised extravagant amounts of healing waters in the gospel. The heart-liberating draft of your grace, the flowing springs of the Spirit. God, we would be fools to ignore your invitation. Because you aren't merely a great prophet. You aren't just a guy from Nazareth. You aren't merely a great teacher. You are the Messiah, God incarnate, our righteousness-fulfilling substitute, and our sin-bearing Savior. Creator of all things and Redeemer of all broken things, the Lamb of God and the Lord of life. So Jesus, we come thirsty, expectant, and grateful. So very amen, we pray in your merciful and mighty name. Amen.